United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, and we got another big-time show. Heather O'Reilly, more than 200 appearances for the U.S. national team, three-time gold medalist, a world champion, two-time national champion at North Carolina, two-time professional champion at Kansas City and North Carolina, now the assistant coach for the North Carolina Tar Heels, and also you can see her on Fox covering women's soccer. She does such a great job. Tim Lenahan, 20 great years at Northwestern. That will come to an end after this spring season. Tim Lenahan joins me. Always a great interview. John Johnson won a letter of commendation from the United Soccer Coaches. He's from Ohio. I like that. He's on the show, and then we wrap up with a 30 under 30 member named Marie Ipoch. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I am Dean Linky, and this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. And as always, we're beginning with a legend, one of the all-time greats to ever wear the U.S. National Team uniform. I want to remind everybody that Heather O'Reilly, by way of New Jersey, she won a U-19 title. She won the gold in 04, 08, 012. She won a World Cup in 2015. She won two national championships for North Carolina. She won it all with the North Carolina Courage going out uh, with a blaze of glory. She won at Kansas City. She's a winner. She's won everywhere she's been. And now she's the proud mom to young William. Heather O'Reilly joins me now. Hey, oh, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> that, that intro never gets old, especially from you, Dean. So thank you and uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm so pleased to add the mom in there as well. How's that going? What's it like being a mom, Hayo? It's awesome. Um, I was, of course, like a little bit, you know, apprehensive, as I think a lot of first-time parents are. And as a professional athlete, you are very driven and let's just say you're a little bit selfish, I think, uh, when it comes to like thinking about yourself, thinking about your needs, your body, your how you break up your day, your time. And so I was a little bit worried that I wouldn't be able to like make that like mental shift to being a great mom. And I'm pleasantly surprised. I've been absolutely loving it. He's so stinking cute. So that helps. He's seven months now. So he's like almost crawling. He's doing this like swimmer move thing on the ground, almost pushing himself up. So small move so far in terms of mobility, <laughs> but uh, it's exciting. And it's been a really wonderful time for me and my husband, Dave. I think, you know, everybody is looking for silver linings through this funky time we're in with the pandemic, but uh, a real blessing has been the, the little baby. And he definitely was one of the good things that 2020 had to offer. So all smiles over here, all is really good. 
Hey Amen. Just one follow up on that, because I know your husband was an elite level lacrosse player, I believe, at North Carolina. You're as elite as they get in soccer. So obviously he's going to want some sort of ball around him, right? Absolutely. Yesterday we were out at Finley Fields uh, with a soccer ball and a lacrosse stick. I mean, <laughs> Will, Will can do none of it so far, but even if he just kind of sees us out there being active, we feel like, you know, that that will be good you know I think it's like that movie Inception Dean you know you, you, you we're trying to uh you know expose him to some sports that we really like a lot and hopefully he likes them too um that might also be called brainwashing I'm not sure if that's a great parenting technique but yeah we will certainly introduce him to some sports that we really adore I think he'll be an athlete you know clearly we have no idea but certainly with the amount of games that are on TV and balls that are around the house and jerseys that are up, et cetera, he'll definitely be uh, exposed to it. That is for sure. Not much uh, genetically passed down musical talent. Um, mm -hmm. So, or, or artistic ability for that matter. So we think that, you know, if, if he has any positive qualities, it'll be on the athletic field and in the classroom, of course. By the way, yeah, you had great grades, by the way, at North Carolina. Anson always re reminds us of that as well, now that uh, you're working directly with Anson. Well, you're back in the limelight again because you were just on Fox as part of uh, the studio coverage for the U.S. women who are gearing up, we hope, for an Olympics. That's even in question on whether it's going to happen or not. But if it does happen, boy, Blotko's got some tough decisions because there's only 18 on the Olympic roster. But in the two games against Columbia, they outscored them 10-0. And it was a lot of the familiar faces. Uh, uh, some faces that are approaching 40 that are still getting it done, Heather? Well, absolutely. I think, I, I think that this year extension of the Olympics, and like you said, we hope that it happens in the summer, um, but given a whole nother year, in my opinion, that will open up some opportunities for maybe some younger players or some players that weren't really in the mix at the last World Cup to have the time to make an impact on Blacko. I think that if it was you know, like it was supposed to be before six months after, you know, him taking the reins, I think we wouldn't have seen pretty much any changes from the world cup team, but maybe just, you know, a smaller selection of those, of those players, obviously it went, it goes from 23 players down to 18. So there's going to be some changes, but I didn't think that Blacko would have time to change up the uh, you know the player pool too much but given a little bit more time I think it opens up possibilities to a player like Katarina Macario who didn't even have her ability to play for the U.S. team uh, a few months ago and, and Sophia Smith I think is making you know a case for herself to to also kind of crack in and and that of course um, removes somebody from that position so I think that it allows uh, some more change and uh, I think that that's you know good although a difficult but great position for Vlako and Anofsky to be in. I think, I mean, he, his, under his watch, they've given up one goal, I believe, in 11 games or 10 games, something like that. Um, so he's doing a phenomenal job. I'm really, really pleased with him. And, you know, all word out of camp seems to be very positive and optimistic for the future. So I think that the women's national team is in really great shape. I mean, of course, it's incredibly high standards. It's essentially win or bust every single tournament. Um, similar to what we have at UNC, but uh, I think that they're poised to to have success even with those incredibly high standards. 
One follow-up on that, obviously with 18, it probably means just two goalkeepers. So, you know, one goalkeeper goes away. And then you got to start looking at players that can play multiple positions. Again, because now you're essentially down to 16 field players. So you need those 16 field players to play multiple positions. Crystal Dunn comes to mind right away. Julie Ertz comes to mind right away. Sam Ewis has the ability to play different positions in the midfield. And then maybe that's a way where somebody like Carly Lloyd can hang on because she's a soccer player, that type of thing. And I think that's one of the questions, but the ability to play multiple positions won't hurt, right, Heather? Well, absolutely. I think that you've seen a player like Lynn Williams, who we're so experienced seeing a little bit more in the middle or, you know, in, you know, right on the edge of the restraining line of defenses now being pushed wide, which I don't think is her best position, but I'm sure that Vlako Andonofsky uh, knows that if she's going to make a team of 18, she has to be a dangerous winger. So I think that there are some players like, like Lynn that are being um, really evaluated to see, like you said, if they can play uh, a number of different, uh, a number of different spots. So, you know, when you just do the math, you know, it's, it's hard to make it work. You know, you have a player like Mallory Pugh and a player like Sophia Smith and players like Kristen Press you know, there's just going to be some very, very, very talented players left off this roster. And, and I think, like you said, I think the, the days of, of a specialized player are likely behind us, I think, you know, just because, you know, even in the flow of a game, a lot of times managers now change a formation or really change a tactic. And they really have to have faith that all the players out there can, can really adapt and, and use like a varied skill set. I remember in one of the games recently, it was off a off a corner kick and USA cleared the ball up the field. And so in times like that, you know, people are kind of in different positions for a second. And I remember Alex Morgan found herself like at the right back position. Crystal Dunn was like in the middle of the park for whatever reason. I think she was kind of top of the box defending the goal kick. And I think Julie Ertz went to go press for the ball. So she found herself as like a center forward. And I just kind of giggled for a second because they all looked very comfortable <laughs> and calm, you know, even in that moment of somewhat of chaos. And I think that it kind of just demonstrates like the, the soccer IQ that's necessary for all those players now. And, uh, and Flacco, I think, has them firing all cylinders. So all really good stuff. All right. So here we go. We now kind of have this perfect storm, though, where women's soccer is getting well-deserved attention. The European leagues are blowing up. They're getting TV recognition because of Ada Football, which includes an American, which has done amazing work, which is good for you because you're now a TV celebrity in addition to be an assistant coach with Anson Dorrance. But, you know, as you look, there's a couple of things that are going to happen with all of this success now in the European leagues. That means these other countries are going to be more formidable and it's not going to be easy, not that it ever has for the USA to win a third straight World Cup. And it's also going to affect some players that wear the red, white, and blue playing overseas instead of the NWSL. Where do you stand on all of that? And are you not worried about it with LA coming in in a couple of years and Louisville coming in now? Do you think that the dust will settle and it'll be all good? Uh, I think that you're right, that it, it definitely is a season of change. I mean, we've weathered a lot of seasons of change, like throughout the U.S. team, you know, many, many times in the past. But this is this is definitely a, a moment of evolution, I think, in women's soccer, where, yes, there are some well-paying leagues throughout the throughout the world that are playing great, you know, great brands of football, but also taking care of their players from, you know, from everything, from a paycheck, but also 
treating them as professionals. And, and you can't deny like the draw of when Manchester City comes knocking on your door. Or like for me, when I you know started talking to Arsenal Football Club, I was like, this is so cool. I mean, the brand recognition is really powerful. It's neat to be at the same facility as some of these famous faces. So to, you know, to underplay that part of it, I think is naive a little bit. Um, but what the U.S. has always had for such a long time is a, a real um, depth of the league. I still think the U.S. is like the best league, the NWSL, in terms of, you know, team one through team 10 are you know, very good squads, are very competitive matches every single week. Uh, all the training environments are, are competitive. So I think that the league still is a deeper pool of players than anywhere else in the world. But uh, yeah, you can't deny that there's some really interesting places to go play. And I think that from, from a, a U.S. perspective, I think that it will be interesting and it will be an interesting job for Kate Markgraf, Cindy Parlow, and Blacko, um, you know, the heads of sort of U.S. soccer on the women's side in particular, to massage that relationship of club and country. Because right now, even still, U.S. soccer is paying, you know, paying the paycheck of most national team players. And eventually, like the rest of the world does, that will shift to, you know, your clubs being your main employer and, you know, your national team paying you, you know, a couple times a year when you get together. Um, I think that that will happen, but that's also kind of what has made the U.S. team so good through the years. It's been like we've been able to get together as a national team for weeks at a time when other European countries aren't able to do such a thing because they've adhered to FIFA you know, international break windows, whereas like U.S. soccer hasn't really cared about coming, you know, pulling your players in, you know, a block of time that isn't in an international, you know, FIFA date. So I, I'm a little bit worried about it in terms of like, this has been something that's given us an edge. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not losing sleep because I do know that we have, you know, incredibly good coaches and talent pool, but it is something that we will need to stay ahead of um, as it sort of evolves, because at the end of the day, this is something that we've wanted. We want the game to evolve. We want, you know, better pay, better uh, opportunities. Um, so now that we're getting growth throughout the world, uh, we just have to make it, you know, work in our favor. And, and I think people are working hard at that. As you remember, I started the show with the intro and I missed uh, a million things that you've accomplished and there's even more that you're going to continue to accomplish. But in many ways, it seems like you were able to write every chapter and have it finished the way you wanted, including the way you went out, your final regular season game with the courageous score, uh, just a blockbuster goal that, of course, I went crazy over uh, and will continue to go crazy over. And then you end as uh, Merritt Mathias goes out, no problem, I'm your right back and you win the shield, you win the championship. I've been on record, Heather, even last year saying that Heather O'Reilly's coming back. She's putting on that uniform again. She's going to play for the courage. It's going to happen. How far off am I on that? <laughs> I don't think you're too far off. I mean, I don't have any set plans of a comeback, but like I feel good physically and I just love this game so much. So like I could never say never. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Paul Riley has my phone number, so he knows where to find me, and uh, and we'll see. I mean, at, at this point, my 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 boots come on when I go play pickup and and get out with the UNC girls. But you can never say never. I think 
the tough thing is, is I did wrap it up so, you know, so nice in a bow and went out as a champion and, <laughs> and all that. But uh, I'm not the first athlete that I think has, has tough time, like letting it go. And I, like, I don't, I, you know, I admit that, like, I love this game so very much. And sometimes when I watch games on TV or watch professional game, like I can still do that. I can still do that. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I'm 36 now, um, but I still feel probably like a 24 year old in my maturity level and, um, and, my, <laughs> and my body and stuff like that. So I would say I, I'm pleasantly surprised with how I've come back, like after having a baby. I thought that like, that would be a little bit more difficult to bounce back, but it turns out when you've been working out hard for like 20 years in a row, that your metabolism is in pretty good shape and you can, you can uh, have that baby and come right back. So, um, so yeah, to answer your question, never say never, but certainly no, uh, no, no plans right now. From your mouth to my ears, amen. All right, well, speaking of your plans right now, as you know, you replaced a, another legend in Bill Palladino joining Anson staff. And ironically, your son is named Will. I'm not sure if there's a tie in there or not, but it's pretty neat. Just talk about uh, that role now being on the bench with Anson Dorrance and the UNC women's soccer team, the perennial power that it is. Yeah, it was such an honor for me to take um... – take Dino's place when he stepped down. I mean, uh, Bill Paladino and Wendy Paladino are a couple that we, I look up to so very much. I mean, their son, little Zach was actually the ring bearer in my wedding. Uh, we're very, very close. And whenever I would come back in Chapel Hill after, before I moved here, we, uh, we would always stay at their place and, and, and super close. So to kind of, you know, take the baton from him uh, I, I want to do well by Dino, that is for sure. Uh, but it's been been a ton of fun and really, you know, illuminating and lighting in, in so many ways. I think first and foremost, like I'm trying to soak up, you know, all the time that I have with Anson because as much as I want to say he'll do this forever, uh, he is a human and he, you know, at some point will probably, I don't know what they would call it for a coach. You can't say hang up the boots, hang up the clipboard. I don't really know. Um, so I want to make sure that, you know, all his uh, knowledge that he's picked up through the years. And for Anson, it's not necessarily like X's and O's and, and tactics and, and, you know, on the field, you know, skill work, stuff like that. He is world-class in motivation and inspiration. And I think, um, you know, so I don't think that it'll be easy for anybody to do what Anson does, but um, as much as I can, I'm trying to, um, you know, learn from him. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a ton of fun. We're looking forward to kicking off our spring season this Wednesday. We can start hitting the field again with some training sessions. And this year is unique because we sort of had a season in the fall and now we're sort of having another season in the spring with the NCAA tournament still, knock on wood, planned for later in the spring. So uh, kind of a unique look at college soccer this year for us, but one that kind of might, might be interesting. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the players on Wednesday. We're running them in the beep test. I haven't decided whether or not I'll jump out there, but probably will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's been a real thrill. Heather O'Reilly, it's always a thrill spending time with you. You always have time for me. I truly appreciate it. Congrats on all your success in the TV booth as well. I always love hearing your energy and your passion. Uh, indeed, it's fantastic. Heather O'Reilly, one of the all-time greats, kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap and now a new mom. Heyo, 
Thanks for kicking us off. Thanks, Dean. Keep up the good work. From Central Jersey to South Jersey, Tim Lenahan wrapping up 20 great years at Northwestern this season. His last with the Wildcats, Tim Lenahan, one of the most underrated coaches in Division I men's soccer, joins me after this message. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We're kicking off with Jersey Day, right? We've got Heather O'Reilly just a moment ago, Central New Jersey, I guess, and now South New Jersey. I think I've got my geography right with the great Tim Lenahan, 20 years, the top man at Northwestern. Tim Lenahan, is that right? South New Jersey? South Jersey. You don't have to say the New Jersey part. <laughs> it's the only state. It's the only state in the union you don't have to say the new and everybody knows what you're talking about. I love it. Well, Tim, great to be with you. Here we go. Big 10 soccer season starting up. You've already announced this will be your 20th and final season with Northwestern. Let me just first say this, and we'll get into what you did at Lafayette and Stockton in just a moment. But I've always said that I think you're the most underrated coach in the game. And I don't just say it to say it. I think you know me well enough. I mean it. So with that, Tim, I don't want you to go away. Is there any way we can talk you out of this whole thing? You know, I'm not going away, um, you know, just kind of moving on to the next phase here a little bit. Uh, it's been an unbelievable run. Uh, I'm extremely proud of what we've accomplished, you know, at a place that had really not only no tradition, but maybe one of the worst reputations in college soccer. So, you know, what we've done, very few men's programs at Northwestern have ever accomplished. And in terms of NCA success, um, you know, Big Ten success, and, and just all the things we've done. So I'm very proud of what we've done and, and uh, really looking forward to this, this last dance as we're calling it. All right, well, let's talk about the last dance. Remind everybody who you're gonna open up with. We know you're gonna end at Rutgers, which of course is in New Jersey. At least you're gonna end the regular season. And then also remind us what we're gonna call Tim Lenahan Day, your final home regular season game for Northwestern. Here we open up with Michigan, um, you know, on February 19th. Um, at Northwestern, most likely in our beautiful new, you know, $300 million facility indoors, um, you know, usually February 19th uh, on the shores of Lake Michigan. It's not exactly the most balmy thing, but we're going to be at 68 degrees and with no wind that day indoors. So, yeah, a very good Michigan squad with mostly everybody back. And uh, our last home game, interestingly enough, will be versus my good friend and uh, college soccer uh, legend Sasha Sarovsky at, at Maryland. So, uh, you know, the way they drew it up to be able to play Maryland in uh, my last home game and then for me to really kind of head home, um, you know, for my last game ever and hopefully COVID willing, you know, I'm sure there'll be, you know, a couple hundred people there uh, to, to see me off. So, again, looking forward to it, the, the season and the, just the way the, the schedule came out, you know, with being able to play against Sasha at home and then, you know, heading back to, to Rutgers. Couldn't, couldn't have drawn it up any better. Tim, this is a question I've asked you before as you've been on the podcast before, but now that uh, you encapsulate 20 years, how about uh, your top three best memories in your 20 years at Northwestern? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, winning the winning the double um, was certainly, you know, back to back weekends in at Michigan. You know, we won the regular season at Michigan and then we came back a week later um, with the tournament being there and, and, and won the double. So that was really, really special. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> it didn't have anything to do with Northwestern, but being able to uh, coach a game with uh, 10 former players, um, you know, a few, some of them uh, six, seven, eight years after they played it and then watching one of our players, Matt Elias, and hit a bicycle kick, you know, against Lionel Messi uh, in front of millions around the world. And uh, the, 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 the hype that that created and the documentary that we, we made after that. And then number one will have to be the, the win at Indiana in 2004. It ended a seven-year losing streak for Northwestern. It also ended a 50-game, uh, a nine-year winning streak for Indiana. So what's interesting about that game, we, we were up 2 nothing the game before against Penn State and gave up two goals in the last 44 seconds. And so really all that did was prepare us for something even bigger. So the fact that the first win that we got and the first loss they had in nine years was Northwestern. It, it, it was really a special day because it, you know, you make a lot of tough decisions uh, along the way to, you know, you make, make a lot of sacrifices to, to be a coach. And, uh, you know, that was one of those days where, you know, everything kind of was justified. And, and as I said, many times it changed our league forever in that, you know, even though Indiana's, you know, still the, one of the powerhouses, there's been a lot of more parity since that day. Give us the Reader's Digest version of your career. As we mentioned, South Jersey, where you went to college, where else you coached before you got to Northwestern, because there's a lot of key tipping points along the way. Yeah, well, you know, I was a full-time IT guy. Where I worked happened to be 10 minutes from my alma mater, which is Stockton University. And, you know, I was able to be the assistant coach. I got paid $1,000 a year. Um, you know, and, uh, and then the head coaching position opened and I was able to get the head coach and I tripled my salary from a thousand dollars a year to $3,000 a year, still while doing full-time it, although my boss at the it place, you know, says I was a full-time coach, um, and just dabbled in the it stuff. But, uh, actually his name, John Daniels, and I'm forever grateful for the patient patience that he showed for me when I was really chasing my passion. And, um, you know, we were able to do some great things at Stockton. We, we won the first ever conference championship there in the NJAC, took over a 2-15 and 15 team and, uh, you know, really did some great things and have still continued a great culture. One of the last teams we built uh, after I left won the, the only national championship in, in Stockton history under Coach Haynes, um, good friend of mine as well. And then I moved on to Lafayette, where I was actually a full-time coach. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we took over a 4-12 and program, and, and we were able to go 16-5 and our first year and, and win a double there as well. Um, and then went, backed it up with another uh, tournament championship and then backed it up with a regular season championship my, my last year, um, you know, before the opportunity presented itself at, uh, at uh, Northwestern. And, uh, again, Lafayette, great culture there still that my former assistant, Dennis Bond, took over and, and has done great things there as well. So uh, it's been an incredible journey from, you know, like I said, the, the fact that a average Division three player who was a full-time IT guy just to got to coach 20 years in the Big Ten, you know, I, I still kind of pinch myself that, that this has all transpired. So I'm forever, I'm very grateful for everything that's happened. It was interesting watching the Columbus crew win and they were talking about the Indiana coaching tree. Tim, you have a lot to be proud of as it relates to the Tim Lenahan coaching tree. It just keeps going and going and going, right? 
Yeah. And, um, you know, I was reading about Andy Reed's tree, you know, I'm a big fan of coach Reed as a South Jersey, uh, resident. Um, you're, <laughs> I mean, you're a Philadelphia sports fan. So big fan of coach Reed was really excited to see him win the, the Super Bowl last year, but, you know, I was reading about his tree and all, you know, the Buffalo coach and the, you know, all, all the coaches that are, are tied to him. And so, you know, one of the analogies I use, there's a horse called Northern dancer. Okay. So, Everybody talks about the greatest horse ever is Secretariat, and there's only one Secretariat. But Northern Dancer is well known because not only has Northern Dancer was a very good horse, but he's the greatest sire of all time. He produced more champions than than anybody else. So I, I'm really, really proud. And it's very simple. It's very simple. You find talented people who are good people, right? You set high standards and you give them room to, to do their thing. We have a one day, we have a one minute orientation. And my orientation is make good decisions. You, you, have the, you have the opportunity to make decisions, make good decisions. And if you make bad ones, I'm going to yell at you. And that's it. So, you know, Joe, uh, Mark Plotkin at DePaul and Andy Fleming at Xavier and Dennis Bond at Lafayette and Tom Carlin at Villanova and Fernando Barbodo at NJIT and Mike Babst at Davidson. Eric Ronning at Colgate, um, and I probably missed one other one, but, and then two of the D3 guys that we have, Justin Serpone and Jeff Haynes, both won national championships. So all those coaches have been to the NCAA tournament, except for Mark and Mike, who just got their jobs in the last few years. So I'm really proud of those guys. And I think a lot of the success that I've had personally is because I've had great assistant coaches through the years. Tim, you're a great historian. You're a great storyteller. And uh, this one might be tougher, though, because um, you have been there 20 years. And I don't know about you, but it gets harder and harder to compartmentalize all the the big moments. But I want to kind of do some rapid fire stuff with you. So we'll start with coaching against other coaches. Who's the one coach that really drew your ire? And and he can hear it and, and know it as well. I mean, who's one that really brought everything out of you that you really wanted to beat Tim at Northwestern anywhere. Well, there was a coach at Stockton. I'm not going to mention his name that, you know, uh, <laughs> we, we certainly had some battles on, we had some battles on the sidelines, I, I would say. So it was a very heated rivalry um, between uh, our rival at Stockton. So, you know, one of my best friends, Dean Kosky, who I grew up with in South Jersey at Lehigh, um, you know, the Lafayette Lehigh, uh, rivalry is 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 really kind of bitter and it it was awkward I mean we we were we you know we knew each other as kids in South Jersey and I actually stayed at his house the first month I got the job there and then you know we went in and had some success and and it was just it was it changed our relationship a little bit and I'm luck, luckily I you know no longer the coach at Lafayette because Dean and I we, we've talked about it many times you know but in terms of, I, I don't really know that I, uh, you know, have a rivalry. I, you know, I think, you know, I just like being a good guy, to be honest with you. And I don't think, you know, other than those two examples, I don't think there's anybody at Northwestern that, you know, got under my skin. I shook hands with everybody over the years. And, you know, I don't really think that there's anybody that has any ire with me, to be honest, on the other side. 
I'm not surprised because uh, you're so much fun to be around with, particularly because you can tell so many great stories. How about players? Because as a coach, you don't get to go in there, studs up and make a tackle or a big save or or stop somebody from scoring a goal, that type of thing. When you think about all the great players and probably now maybe I am talking about uh, Big Ten days, but uh, you know maybe something different uh, during your times at Stockton or Lafayette. But who was one player that you played against that you remember uh, maybe just a little extra game plan in? Tim Lenahan style? That's a, that's a really good question. You know, I'm trying to think back. I mean, the Indiana teams, you know, in the, in the two thousands I and mean, Daniel O'Rourke was as tough, tough a dude as there was. And actually I remember one of our guys shoulder charged him in that game that we won and they called a foul on him. And I actually said to the referee, I go, I go referee, that guy's the toughest guy in division one soccer. You don't have to protect him. I can tell you that. So Danny was really tough. Um, and, and a lot of those players, um, you know, I'm trying to think of, of the attacking players, Chad Seavers from Penn state. He, he grew up at, when I was living in ocean city, he was a block away from me, a little kid riding his bike around. And actually when they tied us in that two, two game, he, he came up to me and said, sorry, coach, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but uh, we beat them in the last game uh, that he played as a senior year. So, I, I, I joked with him that, you know, this is soccer's like boxing and that I have the title belt and I'm going to have the belt for the rest of my life. So Chad Seavers was a thorn um, scoring goals. Uh, and th those from, from the uh, earlier days, Will Bruin too was an absolute beast at Indiana. And, you know, we recruited him and I made a deal with him. Like, please don't score against us. You know, when he came <laughs> to Indiana and I think he had he only played the two years. Uh, he played two years against us. He was red carded his, his sophomore year, but he think he had two the first game and then two in the, the the next game. We lost three to two. We were losing two nothing. And the one game he did not play, uh, we beat them two nothing actually. So um, should have just gotten him red carded a little bit more often before he played us. But he he was just a beast to handle physically and. Uh, we really had no answer for him. Going back to my question about uh, coaches and any rivalries, I loved your answer that you really didn't draw draw any ire and it's kind of a fraternity. It's nice to know that uh, all the coaches get along so well. I've been in that setting with, with you guys. One of the things that I like about all the coaches is it's bigger than soccer. It's about relationships. It's about friendships. And for instance, Tim Lenahan, one of my favorite things to, to be tied with you is, um, as you know, I'm married up and my wife's working with the NFL and you had a chance to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl up close and, and personal. And I know you love telling that story. I love hearing it. It never gets old because what a great and special memory for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're from Philadelphia or you're from Cleveland or you're from Buffalo, you, you always expect the worst. And, you know, thanks to you um, and your, yes, beautiful wife, uh, I was able to experience something that, you know, just un surreal to, for me. So was able to go and, and stay right near the stadium and then, you know, had this VIP treatment courtesy of the, the, the Linkies and, um, <laughs> You know, to be at that, to watch the game, first of all, and to celebrate all the things of the weekend, but then to be at the party afterwards, you know, actually dancing with some of the players and, uh, you know, and, and that, at that countdown, you know, when that last pass got deflected, and as we can see, Tom Brady, there's still got some magic left in him, right? So um, it, it was surreal. And I thought about my, you know, my dad and my brother who are no longer with us to, to you know, that moment and there was lots of Eagles fans that that felt the same way so 
Um, I was rooting for the Bills last night, and uh, I'll root for the Browns because I think both those cities, you know, at some point will deserve a, a championship. But, you know, being able to do that, that was a bucket list, not just to go to the Super Bowl, but to watch the Eagles win it and to be able to celebrate. I'm forever grateful to both you and your wife for arranging that. Oh, you don't, yeah, you don't need to be grateful. We just love the spirit with which you enjoyed it, that of a, a, a little kid, because it's always with you. And I definitely like that. All right, Tim, as we move ahead, and I can't believe that it's finally upon us as we deal with this pandemic, we know it's not going to be easy. There will be a few landmines that we're, we're stepping over as we go through it. But have you thought about a perfect scenario, like uh, in your final year, or is it less about that and just giving it your all and, and savoring every moment? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, but obviously, you know, lifting a, a trophy at Rutgers is is the is the dream scenario. You know, there's a there's a lot of work to get to that. I mean, we we I think we have a, a pretty good team. We we've been set back with some some injuries, you know, a couple ACL tears and some academic challenges, but that that have stripped us of probably four starters. But I think there's enough there to to be pretty good and and. And hopefully, like I said, the, you know, the last dance here, we, we, we kind of rally together and, you know, put our best foot forward and the soccer gods are with us and good karma from, you know, a lifetime of being a good guy. Hopefully that this is the year they jump on board. Well, that sounds great. Let's end with this more and more. I'm starting to get a face for radio. You, on the other hand, are getting more handsome every day, <laughs> Tim Lenahan, which means uh, obviously the TV crews could be Colin, you, you ever uh, consider jumping in the booth someday, maybe on a Big Ten Network broadcast? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, um, if I'm standing next to you, you're going to have to elbow me in the side when my stories get a little bit too rambling for the for a period of time. But, yes, yeah, so I, I definitely, you know, would like to do – I'm actually taking a um, – going to be taking a broadcasting course uh, in the summer, you know, just so I, I, I get a little bit of feel for – for uh, you know, uh, someone who's as professional and as you, um, I don't think I can ever achieve that level. But I'd like to have a little feel for what I'm doing. But yes, I'd lo love to talk soccer, Big Ten Network. You know, whoever else uh, may want to hear those those stories. That, like I said, most of my friends want to jab knitting needles in their eyes. They've heard them so many times. But <laughs> there's a fresh set of ears out there that, that becomes a good story. And, and somebody and even in the leadership in the business world, somebody might actually pay you to hear those same stories. So I, I, I'm, you know, I, and it's going to be a bittersweet ending for me, but certainly looking forward to, you know, the next phase as well. Well, I love it. And just know, even if no one's listening, you always have a good audience in me. I love your stories each and every time, Tim Lenahan. And I'm an easy one to get laughing as well. So I can't wait. And uh, well, that makes one. That makes one of, <laughs> one of you out there. So there you go. And there's the laugh, which uh, people probably don't exactly love either, but I can't help it. Tim Lenahan, I'm a huge fan. 20 amazing years. I am looking forward to your final season at Northwestern as you deserve to go out on top. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean, thank you. And thanks United Soccer Coaches, uh, especially you for all your support, you know, while I've been there and you've, you've done just an unbelievable job promoting our conference and, and also promoting me. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate all your support. It means a lot to me and you're a very good friend as well. The great Tim Lenahan. We'll be back with more of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. As you've heard on this show each year at the United Soccer Coaches Convention, this one this year was digital. The association recognizes a select few for their special contributions to the sport and to the association's membership. They're known as the United Soccer Coaches Letter of Commendation. Five people got one. I am still humbled by the fact that I received one. Also, receiving one I'm proud to say is John Johnson who's from Wadsworth Ohio of course if you listen to this program I love anybody from Ohio currently the president of the Ohio Scholastic Soccer Coaches Association after serving as its president twice previously Johnson is a passionate advocate for the United Soccer Coaches throughout the state of Ohio he's been active with the OSSCA for more than 20 years and was part of a small group of that board who put together a partnership with the then NSCAA that has become a model for other state partnerships nationwide. Currently, Ohio boasts some of the largest number of high school coaches as members of any state within the association, a United Soccer Coaches member since 91. Mr. Johnson is the longtime coach at Wadsworth High School. Among the positions Johnson has held with the association include boys high school regional rankings chair and national rankings committee member as well as a member of the high school advocacy committee and john johnson joins me now and john if you're like me it actually meant something i thought it was pretty cool to get this letter of accommodation your thoughts yeah i i was uh like you said i was very humbled as well uh i didn't even know i was nominated for it until uh john mayer contacted me and asked me to fill something out through an email and i asked him you know what's it for and he told me and i said well okay i'll fill it out and then he actually called me when I went to tell me that I had won this honor, and uh, I, I was surprised. I, I was, it, it was very humbling. There's a lot of people that do a lot for soccer around the country, and to be selected, like you said, as one of five people this year to receive that award nationwide is special. Yeah, it's nice to get that call from John Mary, such a great guy. I call him Santa Claus yeah. now because ironically, when mine came, my wife hit it and wrapped it up and I opened it up for Christmas first time I saw him. But I remember the call from John like it was yesterday. The call telling me that I actually got it was even better than the call inquiring about sending an email, right? John, it was pretty neat. Oh, it, it, it was. It, you know, I, ironically, um, my wife and I were out of town for the weekend. Um, a family member had passed away and we just needed to get away so we went got away and the phone my my phone went off and I I took the call and it, it was you know it was, at, it was certainly the added boost I needed at that point in time and it's just it, it was and then to sit there and we just talked just about anything it, it, it was a good it was a good call well, and this year it was digitally. Normally you would walk up on the stage and look out at a couple thousand people enjoying a great meal. And we'd be moved by those that went into the Hall of Fame and those that won the honor award. It was a little different. Were you able to still peek in on the recognition during the digital convention or were you busy? I, I, I was in and out on the convention. You know, I, 
obviously I would have been in it would have been in California, which would have been really nice to uh, be out in California in January. But I, I was able. I, I attended uh, the president's reception. I attended the high school reception. I was in and out of the honors uh, award session. Uh, to be fair, I, I missed the part for the letter of commendation. Just we, we had some stuff going on at home. I love the convention. I, I've been going for quite a while, and it was uh, the hard thing about the digital aspect for me was other things always kept coming up. When I mean, when you're there, you're there to to attend and to watch, and you're you know half the part of the convention is meeting up with uh, your friends from all over. And not really being able to do that this year was was hard, but it's still we had the convention, and, and there's still a lot to be gained from it. Well, it was pretty neat on the announcement they had you, you know, being there at Wadsworth, Ohio, and then me next from Toledo, Ohio. I've got a lot of pride mm-hmm. about being from Ohio. Just talk about uh, have you lived in Ohio your whole life? Talk about some of the things you've done in Ohio. Maybe if you went to college, and maybe the club teams that you've worked with as well. Actually, born in Cleveland, but came down to Wadsworth when I was just months old. I'm a Wadsworth graduate, and when I finished, I, I, I played soccer here at Wadsworth. When I finished playing, I, I played at the University of Akron uh, under Steve Parker in, in the mid to late 80s. And upon finishing there, I just needed to get out for a little bit, and I taught two years in, in North Carolina and Statesville. I, I was head coach as well down there, and then – the opportunity to come home came about, and I came home and taught a few years at Revere High School, which is nearby, for six years. And then I had the opportunity now to, to come back to Wadsworth, and I, I've been teaching and coaching here ever since. I, I work with a variety of, of club teams, mainly Penine back in the day when, when, my, when my son was playing, but I'm more involved in our youth uh, here locally in Wadsworth than, than I am in the club scene. I, I'm very active in the high school scene. I often ask the question on this show with uh, special award winners like yourself about memories and mentors. And usually I'll say, start with a mentor because that's a little bit easier. It's hard to pick your very best memory, but that's what I'm looking for. Who are some key mentors and what might be your best memory so far as a coach in this great game that we all love? Without a doubt, uh, my mentor was my high school coach, uh, Tom Cranston. He, he, he's the one that I, I really should attribute this award to. When, when I finished playing in college and I started coaching, I, like I said, I spent two years in North Carolina, and I was somewhat reluctant to go there. And he's like, no one else is offering you a job up here, go. And I went, and then he helped bring me back home. But when, when I started, when I got back to Ohio and started coaching, at that point in time, he was president of State Coaches Association, which I'm president of right now. He pulled me aside early when, when I got back and said, it's time to stop taking from the game and to give back. And I just kind of took that to heart. And I've been involved on the local level or the state level. I, I've, I've been coaching in Ohio for 30 years, and I've been involved for 29 of those 30 years. And I've been involved on the state. I've been state president for uh, the past 16 years straight and then I've had a couple other stints as state president and it just what I do is a reflection he 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 was my coach and I'm a coach he was my economics teacher and I'm the economics teacher here at Wadsworth he just he just made a lasting impact on my life and still is a friend to this day 
All right. So I'm not going to let you slide out of that greatest memory, though, Coach. <laughs> uh, the greatest memory as a player would have to be probably 1986 when we made it to the national championship. Lost to Duke, but made it there as a, as a coach uh, going to the state finals. But to be fair, I, I've coached my, – my son played for me. My daughter uh, never really played much, but my son played for me. Uh, but I think one, one of my better or greater memories is, is he was an all-state player, and I happened to get an honor that w as well on the state level that year and to be at the same all-state banquet, which you spoke at a couple of years ago, by the way. For us to be on stage together to receive an award was, was pretty cool. Uh, I'm glad you remembered that. You know, there's a, a lot of great tie-ins to to what you just said. In fact, uh, I interviewed Tom Stone yesterday for the Vision of a Champion podcast, and he scored the goal. <laughs> he scored the goal. Yeah. He yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was on, and we were talking about that. I, I love that tie-in, and I actually loved being able to speak with the Ohio high school soccer coaches and Gary Avedikian and a couple other mm -hmm. guys helped bring me in. That was a, a real honor being from Ohio. I take take a lot of pride in that. And, you know, anything to do with your kids, I love that that was part of your answer, John. That is that is awesome. With that, a couple more questions. So John Johnson, that's a pretty pretty awesome name. I mean, is that your real <laughs> name or or what's sure. going on there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, that, that, that's what that's what I, I I tease my 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 parents or, you know, all my grandparents are from Europe and my dad's dad is from Sweden, so he Americanized everything when he got here. I could add a cool foreign type name fit the soccer scene, and <laughs> he he didn't want that, and um, so I I th I've thanked him repeatedly for just making me just average, you know, John Johnson. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, fill in the blank for me on this one, because obviously you've done a ton for Ohio soccer, but you've seen value along the way with the then named NSCAA and now mm -hmm. United Soccer Coaches having been a member since the early 90s. Just fill in the blank to you. United Soccer Coaches means what? A voice. They are, in my opinion, they are the voice. As, as a state soccer coaches association, we are the largest member within the United Soccer Coaches, but our voice is little, and, and Lynn gives us a voice. She is so accessible. She is, everybody, to be fair, everybody at United Soccer Coaches is accessible. You send them an email, they are, they are responding back to you, but they give us a platform, and they give us a voice for, I, I really believe high school soccer at times gets overlooked by club and academy and then you go to college and, and all the, and then it's like, and then it's like, it's high school soccer. And they just, they, they, they help us. They promote the game for us. Um, they, they've, they've done a variety of things just when we've talked and said, this, I, I'm on the national federation of for, for the national Fe rules federation. And I, we, we just had a meeting last week and there were, there were times a year or so ago, I believe Lynn had written them a letter trying to emphasize a rule that she believed and that we somehow we had talked about it and I don't even recall what the rule was but she they're a voice they're they're they are an advocate for high school soccer John Johnson final thing here ironically I'm in North Carolina now full-time but you know they always say you can take 
the boy out of Ohio, but you can't take the Ohio out of the boy. Both my boys actually spent a year at St. Joe's in Ohio playing basketball oh. because okay. my son, yeah needed a point guard. So I was able to go back up there and back and forth. We're back in North Carolina, but my family's in Ohio. Just uh, summarize here. It seems like no matter where you go, you run into Ohio people. On my podcast, uh, our listeners are like, oh, great. Dean's talking to another Ohioan. What is it about Ohio that, uh, first of all, everybody's from Ohio for one, John, as you know, no matter where where you go. But what makes Ohio so special, whether it's the Buckeyes or the Browns or the Indians or the Cavs or or Akron or whatever it is, what, uh, what do you love about Ohio? To be fair, we don't have a lot to hang our hat on. Uh, you know, there's not been a lot of championships won here. But the fan base is incredible, and the pride. It, it it took me all of two seconds to quit a job at one school to come back to my community to teach. Where where you know there's something about wearing the jersey with pride and representing the your your school with pride. And, and there's just there's it's 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 family. We we were talking about it. Um, there, our local, our school newspapers doing an article. We have 31 teachers in our high school alone that are Wadsworth grads that have worked their way back to this because this is where you want to raise your family. And this is, it's fun to go visit the Carolinas because it's warm as I look outside and there's snow on the ground, but this, this is home and we get attached, whether it's to the Browns or the Bengals or the Buckeyes, the Zips. You know, for me, it's, you know, we get attached to Wadsworth and, and I tell my players all the time that though COVID kind of got in the way this year, we get people coming to our games that really, they just come into games because some Wadsworth team is playing boy soccer, girls soccer, whatever. They just, they have no really business being there other than they're from Wadsworth. It's a Wadsworth team playing the stadiums right downtown. They see the lights on and they come. And you just don't get that a lot of places. And it's just it's just special. You know, what's going to make your home even more special now forever is you'll always have a <laughs> letter of commendation hanging, I hope, somewhere in your office, somewhere where yes. people can see it. Right, John? Pretty special. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. It is on the wall or it will be on the wall. I, I, I haven't put it up yet. I just actually I just got it about a week ago in the mail. It, it, it was uh, took a while. Well, so. you deserve it. Hang on tight to it. John Johnson, another recipient of this year's letter of commendation and another fellow Ohio and congratulations and uh, wishing you well as we get through this COVID. Good luck the rest of this year. Thank you. Th thank you for having me. Thank you, John Johnson, a recipient of a United Soccer Coaches letter of commendation. When we return, we wrap it up with another visit with a 30 under 30 superstar Marie Ipok after this message. High school coaches are presented unique challenges both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education. 
United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Wrapping up our show with my favorite part of the show, another visit with a 30 under 30 superstar. Today, it's Marie Ipok, who's in one of my favorite states now, the state of Colorado. Marie, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. All right. Well, first of all, congrats on being a member of the 30 under 30 class, but let's work our way from top back. So right now you're in Colorado. You've got a new job. Tell us what you're doing. So currently, I just became the assistant coach at Colorado Mesa University. Um, I was with Alabama State before, but um, this opportunity popped up. The head coach, um, Megan Remick, is my old college coach from when I played. So I was very eager to jump on her staff when that became available. Yeah, even during a pandemic, living in Colorado is heavenly, right? Yeah, it's beautiful out here, especially um, in Grand Junction where our school's located. Um, you can go to a national park in like 15 minutes and it's it's just gorgeous. Let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us where you grew up, what club team you played for, maybe your most inspiring coach during your club and high school days and then when, where you played collegiately. Yeah, so I grew up in a small town called Las Lunas, New Mexico. Um, so it's about half an hour south of Albuquerque. Um, I played for Rio Vista, which um, is located in Albuquerque, but it's currently now Rio Rapids. Um, so they combined with the Colorado Rapids and kind of worked through their system, but they're still their own entity. So my most influential coach growing up was Chris Hurst. He, I believe, is one of the boys directors now at Rio Rapids. So he had a big influence on, um, he played professionally a little bit in England and kind of pushed me to that next level. He was never soft on me whenever I was playing um, and always challenged me to kind of be better no matter what level I was at. Um, and then I ended up going to New Mexico State for a year. Um, and then I ended up actually transferring and played at Metropolitan State University of Denver, which is in downtown Denver. And I played for four years there. So that even makes being back in Colorado even better because uh, mm -hmm. Denver is not that far away from where you are, right? No, and Metro State, where I played, is actually um, one of in our conference, so they're one of our rivals. So now I get to go up against the the team that I played on and and play or coach in the same conference that I played in. So I was very excited to get back to that. Your greatest memory as a player collegiately? I would probably have to say this is going to knock down, knock on one of our our conference rivals but whenever I was a junior we um, played in the first round of national tournament and we in our in our conference in the RMAC we always have two or three teams nationally ranked um, and we knocked out the it was in the second round of tournament actually we knocked out the number two call in the nation Colorado School of Mines and earlier in the season they beat us 3-0 so it wasn't even a close contest and we actually ended up beating them 3-1 on their home field to knock them out of the second round of national tournament and it was just a huge defeat <laughs> that's awesome your greatest memory yeah. as a coach so far Marie 
My greatest memory as a coach so far. So my first college that I worked for was Johnson and Wales University in Denver. Um, and the second year we that I was with them, they um, moved up to Division Three. So it was their first season, and in their first game, um, it was against Dallas Baptist, I believe. We sat in the locker room for four hours on a rain delay, hmm. and they came out and they got scored on and then we scored it scored to tie it 1-1 in the second half we got scored on again and we tied it 1-1 and I think with about two minutes left we ended up tying or scoring to win it and it was with a packed stadium um and their brand new field I think it was the first ever game on Dallas Baptist field their first game so that was probably upsetting for them but to have um you know this group of girls we had a small roster um they really struggled the season before kind of transitioning into a more competitive level for them to come out and, you know, for their first, it was their first division three conference win ever in the pouring rain soaked field, four hour delay pack stadium. It was just the coolest thing. So tell me what was your inspiration to want to be a member of the 30 under 30 class Marie? So when I was at Alabama State, um, the head coach there, Jody Smith, really pushed me towards it. Um, he He's one that has pushed me towards, you know, really challenging myself as a coach. He had me do a lot of um, things just to get me ready because eventually I want to be a head coach. So he pushed me towards doing it. Um, that way I could get more coaching licenses and be around other like-minded coaches and just, you know, continue to challenge myself to be better. So he was the one that sh I didn't know what it was. And he actually um, showed it to me and had me apply and helped me with the application process and things like that. So I really credit him with, um, you know, helping me get into the program. All right, I like to ask this question, Crystal Ball, 10 years from now, Marie Ipok will be doing what? Hopefully a head coach of a successful program and lots and lots of rings. <laughs> I like that answer. And then just fill in the blank. To me, United Soccer Coaches and the 30 under 30 class means what? I think it means that you're always striving to be better because what I've noticed with talking to the other 30 under 30 members is that they all have goals. They're all ambitious. Um, they, the whole point of this whole program is to challenge yourself, meet a mentor, help, they help you get to where you want to be. So I would say that the 30 under 30 is more about ambition and goal setting and things along those lines. Marie Ipok, another superstar of our 30 under 30 class. Thanks for being on this week's. By the way, it starts with Heather O'Reilly and ends with Marie Ipok. That's not bad company, by the way. No, no, definitely not. Tell Heather I said hi. <laughs> I'll do it. Marie Ipok, congratulations. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marie, and all of our guests. I also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Sean Chevron, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.